Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Hi. You know that movie you always wanted to see, but you didn't for whatever reason? Well, I call those black hole films. Everyone has them, and this podcast aims to do something about that. I'm Jeremy Lalonde, and every episode I'll be joined by one or more guests to watch a film that at least someone in that group hasn't seen. We'll talk about our expectations of it before it, and then our thoughts after it. This is episode 20, and I'm joined by Jonas Chernick, who you might remember from my film, How to Plan an Orgy in a Small Town. Also, he's been in a ton of films that he's written and produced, Borealis, My Awkward Sexual Adventure, and he's also been featured on TV shows like The Border and Best Laid Plans, for which he won a Canadian Screen Award. Also joining us in the second half of the podcast is podcaster in his own right, Norm Wilner, who is also the head film critic for Now Magazine. And we're going to sit down to watch a film together. We're sitting down to watch Dog Day Afternoon. Uh, I'm Jeremy. I have seen the movie, but not in a long time. And I'm here with... I'm Jonas, and I have not seen the movie. And we will be joined, uh, as per his tradition, by Norm Wilner, who I think will not be here for the introduction... <laughs> But we'll be here for the post-show credits. He is uh, stuck in Toronto transit. Cool. So why haven't you seen this movie, Jonas? So there's this gap. There's this gap of, of American cinema from the 70s. Which that, is like some of the best. Well, I know, right? And so like I, when I studied film studies at the uh, very prestigious University of Manitoba <laughs> in the 90s, and I took all these those film studies courses. I got to watch some of the big ones. Like, like most of the, I've seen most of the Coppola films, the Friedkins... Um, the De Palmas, Polanskis, but I didn't see a lot of Sidney Lumet films, and which are great movies. I know, and so I'm try. I've been trying to catch up. Uh, the other reason I think I didn't see this is I have a confession to make about Al Pacino. Like, I'm an actor. Yes, I don't love Al Pacino the way that most male actors love Al Pacino. And what and is it, that way? Unpack that. Uh, what is the way that I love them or the other way that other actors love them? The way that other actors... Well, he's very revered. He is revered, uh, he's revered as a, as a, as a, uh, just a method actor, just a gritty, uh, 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 uh honest, down-to-earth, really exciting, you know, salt-of-the-earth mm-hmm. kind of exciting actor. So for me, because growing up in the 80s and 90s, so it's like hoo-ha, is my Same here. Al Pacino. That's the Al Pacino I grew up with. Right. So the so you first have to time watch the them. first time I saw this movie, it blew my mind because right. I'm like, where is that guy? Like, he's nowhere near this. So story. that's what I'm saying, right? Is that like the like the, the Al Pacino by the eighties and nineties, I thought the best of Al Pacino was mostly behind him. There's some great performances. No, There's once, some great performances. Yeah, once the Whoa stuff kicked in, it's like he just became a caricature. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, Sea of Love is actually a great performance, and Carlito's Way is a great performance, and The Godfather is great. But that's before. That's the that, that, That's before. Yeah. Um, so I think another reason why I didn't see, I've never seen Serpico, I've never seen Cruising, I've never seen... I haven't seen Cruising either. And I haven't seen this one. And these are those are like his three, you know, not including The Godfather, those are his three big performances in the 70s. So those are the two reasons why I probably didn't see Dog Day Afternoon. And uh, What do you know about it? Uh, I know very little. I know that it's a, it's 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 a. I believe it's a hostage 
It's a ho- Am I right about this? It's a hostage taking. Do you movie? want me to tell you if you're right or not? I I might be. I I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Okay. Yeah. Tell me. Am I, am I yeah, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's. it's I mean, like, yeah. That's part of it. And that it's and that it's widely considered maybe the best hostage taking movie. And I believe there's some political. There is some political element to the to the. To yeah, the I don't want to say what it is because it's very surprising. Okay, good, good. Don't tell me. Go it's ahead. really good. Like what? Like the the motivation for his character isn't something you would expect, okay. especially at that point in, in America. Right, right. Oh, it's, right. It's very don't You're, say. I th- I'm starting to think. I I remember here. I think I know what it might be, but I don't want to say. Yeah, I don't, don't say. It. Yeah. So there's something cool about that. Um, um, and I know he. I. I I think he was a nominated for an Oscar. I don't think I don't know. Okay, I'm sure he was. No, Normal know all of this. Yeah, when great. He gets here. Okay. Uh, and then it's got. Um, I always say his last name wrong, but John Cavazell. Uh, Cavazell. Cavazell. Okay. Yeah, is in it as well. He okay. was also in The Godfather. Yeah. He was in Deer Hunter. He's he was in five movies. This guy, and they're all classic movies. Just five. Yeah, and then he died. He oh, tragic. But amazing actor, and kind of has one of those unblemished, perfect careers. Right. Well, that's it. I'm going in pretty cold. Like, I don't know much else about the film. What are your expectations of it? Um, they're pretty, I mean... Pretty low? They're pretty low. That's good. Yeah, they're pretty low. I love a good caper. I love a good heist movie. I love ten- I love that kind of tension. So, I'm looking forward to it, but I have no expectations. And because my Al Pacino expectations are relatively low, then, you know, he could do nothing but impress me at this point, I think. Oh, I'm super excited then for you to see this. All right. Okay, so we're, we'll dive in, and Norm will join us in the uh, in the back half. Amazing. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right, so we've just finished. Norm has joined us. Hi. I've been here for the whole movie, I swear. He did. He, he came in during the opening Elton John tune. That's right. Which I'd like to point out. Was the only music in the entire movie? That's right. There, there's a transistor radio later. There and is that's no it. score in this movie. There's no score. There's no soundtrack. Nothing. Yeah. No. Very little foley. But lots of extras. So they use that. That's where they use that line item. See, very little foley. You know that for a fact because yeah, I actually you can noticed hear so much foley, of the dialogue. Like, a lot, but I saw a lot of like when they're walking through the bank. I was oh, yeah, very yeah. aware of foley. Yeah, but the crowd noise, all that stuff is live. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. So first time viewing. Yeah. Jonas has got to start us off. Sure. Well, first of all, thanks a lot because what you did was you you, I had heard of course at some point that the per, that the the purpose of his uh, the reason he was robbing the bank was for his lover's sex change operation and I had put it somewhere, and then you were like, do you know why he's doing it? Do you know what the reason is? And I was like, what? And you're like, it's something that's so unexpected. It was almost a spoiler because what you did was you made me search for it, and as I'm watching the movie, I'm trying to remember. What is the motivation? What is... And then I, and then I, I got it, and I wish I hadn't. Oh, so I sorry. will forever blame, blame you for that. <laughs> but it is so revelatory for that, for 1975, yeah. to do that. I mean, first of all, just to reveal that your very masculine protagonist is, you know, gay or, you know, identifies other than homosexual, uh, heterosexual, that in itself is crazy. But then that whole other element... It's yeah. Yeah, it's, it's forty years ago. It's yeah. crazy, and it's true. Forty years ago, and on the heels remarkable. of Godfather Two, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I every time I watch it, it takes me at least an hour to remember that it's Sonny and Fredo, uh, that it's, uh, Michael and Fredo yeah. are Sonny and, and Sally, yeah. because you just you just don't see it. 
like they're completely different. Yeah, they're removed totally from that context, but they're but but Kazal is unrecognizable really with the hair yeah. and the and the sallowness, and he's gonna like he's gonna be gone in a few years, and yeah. there's now that awful line about how he doesn't want the cancer, and that's what's gonna kill him. And it's just, oh, he died of cancer. Yeah, yeah. just a heartbreaker. Brain cancer, wasn't it? Uh, I thought it was lung cancer, but it might have been. Brain. It's I even just, sadder if it's lung cancer, given that scene in the movie. Yeah, maybe yeah. that's why I associate it, actually. Yeah. It might have been brain cancer. I, I just know that it was far too soon. Um, so we were talking about Pacino before the, the movie. Oh, yeah. And as a, as, a, as a thespian, I was talking about how I sometimes feel like I'm <clears throat> betraying you know actors uh, um, throughout time and space by not being a huge Pacino fan. Mm-hmm. And we talked about how, because of how old we are, we kind of... We kind of our first Pacino's, well, for me, it was, I think it was probably Dick Tracy, but then it was, hoo-ha. Dick Tracy yeah, was yeah. your first? Yeah, because I, no, I mean, like, well, no, because I would have been, you're not going to be exposed to a lot of 16 or 15. I probably saw some stuff before that. No, I definitely did. But, like, Scent of a Woman was sort of what we think of as Pacino, mm. you know, because of the era that we grew up in. And so I had to backtrack to kind of see the good Pacino yeah. that came before it. And, and uh, but that is, that that is by by far the best Pacino performance I've ever seen. I told you that, right? Yeah. Not even cl- nothing even really comes close. I mean, The Godfather's great, but I'm more of a James Conn, more of a sunny guy. Right. right. But he's incredible. He, he, his, the energy that, he, that he, he brings to every moment of it, the vulnerability, I don't think I've ever seen him that exposed, that vulnerable, that honest, that raw. Like, and I don't feel him acting at all. Like I just feel mm. like he is that. He just embodies that character. What's the pauses he takes, especially at the beginning? Because the movie plays as a comedy for the first act or so. Yeah, you know, just the ridiculousness of everything that's going on. At first, that they're all bumbling. Everyone's bumbling. well. The third man who, yeah. like, within five minutes, like, I can't I'm not here. Right. Yeah. Like, he's I'm really sunny. Getaway car, which is my yeah. And he wants, he's like, you got to leave us the car. He's like, how am I going to get home? Take the subway. It's, like, it's just the mundane of the conversation and. Yeah. Just every little thing, the fact that the money's not there, you know, it's just how, how bumbling they are. Not just them. Everyone's bumbling. Yeah. The bank guys are bumbling. The, the cops are bumbling. Everybody's just bumbling. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. very funny. And, and in the perfect New York movie tradition, everybody's in everybody else's way, which is the most annoying thing yeah. everybody has to deal with. It's like, and, and I'm not the first person to make this observation, but... The, the glory of Dog Day Afternoon is watching the mob turn because they're on his side and then they get bored and then they get pissed off and some of them become homophobic mm, yeah. but not all of them and then there's that thing and this other thing and it turns into a block party for a little while and everybody in the bank just wants it to be over. Everybody else wants it to keep going. The police are fine with throwing it out because it makes them tired. It's on like Time is on everybody else's side but both the hostages and the robbers end up bonding over... They just want to get the fuck out of there. They just want to yeah. go home. They just want to be done, mm. which is the most New York thing. It's like the worst commute ever. You can't leave work. Mm. Yeah, the relationship between um, you know the, the criminals, for lack of a better term, and, and the hostages is unique in that you never see that in any other hostage movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they're not, they're kind of, they're, like you said, they are on the same side. They bond. They bond over the course of it, yeah. Yeah, and even like the bank manager, uh, at one point... You know, he turns at one point because he's just getting tired and grumpy. That's <laughs> what it comes off as. Yeah. But, you know, he, you don't get a sense that he's trying to pull... No one's trying to pull a fast one. Right. You know? Yeah, well, I was wondering... I was, I was kind of watching for the markers of how, how, they, how Pacino... How, they, how, the, how the script keeps Pacino, you know, likable. Like, like, how do you introduce a guy who's robbing a bank, taking a bunch of people hostage? 
there's like five little save the cat moments in the first <laughs> 20 minutes little gestures little things he does the way he bonds with the with the manager and you know generally kind of likes him and you know the offer to take the ladies to the bathroom without thinking twice there's all little, all these little things that happen yeah. in the first 20 minutes that really endear you to to him yeah. even though you don't know what his motivation is yeah and once it takes out, it takes like an hour and when and, and it's great that they can hold off that long and you still are rooting for him and then when you find out at this whole another level of empathy kicks in where you you know you see him in a whole another light and it's but you didn't need it. Like, we already were rooting for him. Yeah, well, because there was a casual throwaway when he was talking to the, the not, I guess, the, the TV anchor. And he's like, why are you doing it? Well, that's just this is where they keep the money. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's a generic answer. I need, you know, you, you could be unemployed. You don't know why. Now, do you know, Norm, what the reaction at the time was to the fact that he was bisexual, really? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I, I, I think at the time... The reviews I've read go to great lengths to conceal it because they don't want to blow that. That's they don't nice. want to spoil it. Oh, nice. So all the reviews in the era, but then you go back to read, I think it's in Ebert's Great Movies review subsequently, which he wrote in the late 90s maybe, where he's engaging with the sexual politics and the gender stuff. And everyone says it treats it very sensitively and treats it very well. Like Stonewall is fairly recent. The gay rights movement was maybe a decade old, like officially uh, at this point. And it's... it's Kind of a hot button topic, and I'm I was watching it this time and thinking, yeah, for forty years on, it handles it remarkably well. Mm-hmm. There's no like you immediately get on you're already on Sonny's side, and then Leon is introduced, and he doesn't feel like a, t- a caricature. Like no. Sarandon's on the verge of tears, he's upset, but that's entirely reasonable for this person and for anybody in this situation. Yeah. It's not a like it's not a queer thing; it's just a human thing. And then you get the the people in the uh, in the mob that start to turn on them, which keeps us on their side. So the movie is always aware that that behavior sucks. Even right? like it's, it's the way that Charles Durning, when he's when he's interrogating him, there isn't a oh, there isn't a wisp of prejudice. Yeah, there's that guy behind him that, that Snickers, Snickers, yeah. and everybody looks at him like. And then he turns around. He turns yeah. around, but but the, but you, what you would expect from the gruff, uh, you know, Brooklyn police chief is not what you get. Yeah. You, instead, he's drawn in and. It's like he's connecting, he's empathizing with with Pacino, with Sonny in a new way. It's like he, we're right with yeah. him, mm-hmm. really unexpected. And it's interesting when when his character kind of disappears, but halfway through, once the FBI shows up, you really miss him. He's there in a lot of the background. He's shots. there. Yeah, There's one scene where he's angrily eating. Yeah, yeah, which I love. He's out of a takeout container, yeah. just staring bullets at eating the FBI yes. guy. But you don't get the scene where the FBI tells him we're taking over. Like you, you yeah. stay with Sonny's point of view. Mm-hmm. Where all of a sudden this guy's now. Where's the guy I was dealing with? Right. You know yeah. who's this new guy? The stonewalled. Yeah. Yeah. Guy with a plan. This is like a. If I've got the timeline right, this would be two years after the taking of Pelham One Two Three which is the other great early 70s New York hostage picture. And that was much more evenly split between the Cops, police yeah. and the ga- and the gangsters and the robbers. I mean, like Matthau's the hero in that one, and he's, a, he's an MTA guy. He's a subway uh, yeah. uh, program director or something. I can't remember yeah, yeah, what his like job is. Yeah. But he works the subway. He's like the middleman between these two factions that are trying to murder people to get what they want. And this one just completely gives up on that. Like the police, they're not bad guys. They're just, everybody's just trying to do their job for the day with a minimum of bloodshed to the point where like when Henriksen, when Lance Henriksen finally reveals himself as the stone killer, which is why you cast Lance Henriksen in 1975, <laughs> like to be intense in the background of shots and then finally, <coughs> you know, be the bad guy really because Sal just, Sal just wants out. And that's the other thing. I think the other thing that keeps us on their side all the time is that we very quickly realize that Sonny is trying to keep Sal from killing literally everybody or himself. 
yeah. so quickly because he's ready to do it. He wants to do it. And we don't, I don't necessarily buy the thing that they were both in the service because Sal says he's never been on a plane. Mm. And Sonny went to Vietnam. Like that's confirmed externally in the yeah, story. Yeah, I, I actually, you're, it's a great point because you assume that that's where they met. Mm-hmm. And that's how they know each other. And well, that's the reveal. And they say they don't want to go back that. to prison. Yeah. But didn't Lance Hen- Hendrickson become the Stone Cold Killer later? Like, wasn't it more in the 80s? Because you, cause it's a well, red herring, right? I mean, you, 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 you. I think you're just talking about the kind of actor. Yeah, he's there okay. for that. Function, I got it. But, right? like he, but then maybe this was what what did it. Yeah, he well, he's in the, he plays a military. He played a lot of military guys in the seventies. He was he's in Close Encounters. Nobody remembers, but he's one of the uh, one of he's the like a lieutenant guys. colonel or yeah. something. He shows up in the background of a lot of shots. He's just got that yeah. bearing. Yeah, and then here it's because he's waiting. Like he's just mm. he's the guy who's going to be the assassin. But it's a great mis- misdirect. Oh when yeah, you think. You think he's when you think Sonny's caught on to their their little game. Oh, with, and, the, with the driver, and you believe that the driver that they you know that they, yeah. he, he caught them in their in their, and that was great. Yeah. How did you think it was going to end? Well, I I thought he was going to die. I thought he was going to go down in a blaze of glory. I mean, he wrote that will. They said that that's why they set that up because you're that and it's and it, they had me in the palm of their hands. It, it completely worked me. I thought he's 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 doing the will. He's going to get it. He's going to get what he's after. He's gonna he's gonna get. He has to get killed. So that the right, so that his lover plan. gets the, the, the money, but the, and that's why I think they do that because yeah, you yeah. want him to die at the end so that you do everyone's problems can be solved. But that's and he keeps telling all his love, all everyone he loves, I'm dying here. I'm dying yeah. here. He tells his he tells his wife that he tells Leon that he tells his mom that I'm dying here. I'm dying here. Yeah, but it's so that's why it's a, it's a it's a down ending because he lives. It is a down yeah. ending. Yeah, yeah, it's a down ending because he lives. Yeah, you kind of want. So, I, mean, I guess you want Sal to go too. No, they're well, setting it up the whole time. Like you say, he's saying I'm dying here. Even yeah. when he's talking to his, yeah. his wife, very cleverly on done. the phone. She says, "You say this all the time. You say it every day." Oh no, Leon said that. The, yeah, the pacing is really interesting because the first two thirds, it's so fast. I mean, and you know, I know I'm sitting across from an editor, <laughs> but there's one when he blows the when he fires the gun. The one time he fires the gun in the movie in the back door. And they do these like really quick, kind of like twenty quick cuts of everyone's reaction in that moment. That feels like the pacing for the first two thirds of the movie. It's really quick. He's outside. He's back inside. They're running around. Something goes on. Each other. And then it's slow. It grinds it's to a, a lovely halt when he has the two phone conversations yeah. with yeah. Leon and his wife, and it just stops. And so you know what's interesting about that moment? So we got to remember this is forty years ago. That's a fifteen-minute-long scene. Yeah, the Leon and the wife. <coughs> and it's all just one shot of Pacino. Right, they don't do right? different sizes? They don't do any different sizes because Pacino just wanted to do it all in one. Oh, really? And then and he didn't want... But then, now, you gotta think about this. This is 1970. So, Film magazine are only 10 minutes long. How are they doing that? How do they do it? I know the answer. They have the second camera and they swap it out. Two well, cameras. They, don't they cut to Leon a few times in that? They do, but he wanted he to wanted run the whole oh, thing without so stopping and reloading the mag. So they had to have two cameras. They had to start a second camera halfway through the shot. Yeah. Right beside each other. You can notice, and the only time you can really notice is there's a reframing in when he starts talking to the wife. And then and then that's when they mm. use that second camera, but for the most part, they're using the A camera. The, uh, the increased perspiration throughout. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I, you feel I, it. I, I thought that was, that's, I, I thought, now I know Spike Lee stole it yeah. for Do the Right Thing. Because <laughs> I thought, Do the Right Thing, I was like, that's amazing. Because it just, as the tensions rise, it just gets hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter. 
but yeah. he stole it from sitting on it. Well, the pace slows down too when the air conditioning goes out. That's when it starts. That's when it starts because right. the, the air conditioning goes out and everything gets slower, and, and that's when the bank manager starts to get sick. Yeah, and then the lights go down, and then you just you're baking in it with them. You're just stuck in. And that the space. more the darker it gets, the sweatier. They yeah, get, the worse everybody crazy. looks. Yeah. Like Cazal's eyes just sort of disappear into those hollows. And, yeah. and Carol Kane with her with her crazy. Well, she, but she had her hair like that from the beginning. Or her eyes, her eyes, her eyes get darker and darker. Yeah. Lost in her eyes or get sunken back in her head. No, which is amazing. Like the production design of it is so specific because it is so simple. It's it's not an attractive looking bank. No, it's not like now you do a heist movie. It's like you'd have a cool looking bank that have an element to it. Where this just looks like any bank in America. Yeah, it oh, is yeah. the real bank, isn't it? Didn't they shoot it on location? It must have been. Like, it just, feels like it. I'm just, trying to remember that. I'm like, almost sure that's what happened. The shots from inside, just the way they look outside. There's no way you do that on a set. Yeah, oh no, that's real. There were some super fast, like, dolly, doll, like, at the beginning when the pacing was really fast, just as he's running from the front door to the back door, and it's, it's just whipping down. It's not even smooth. Yeah. I mean, there, there was some, it was just the way that they that they made the pacing feel fast and, 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 and energetic was all the different yeah. tricks they used were great. I love that he skids when he runs, too. Yeah, he just slides along. He, he slides realizes at some point that it's faster. Yeah. It's just such a great little detail that, yeah. and you're waiting for him to slip because at that point he's still not established as entirely capable. Yeah. And, yeah, it's just such a great weird little choice. No, you get little great little moments of his character where he, he shows up with superpowers where, where he knows the bank stuff. He knows it's like, yeah. every now and then you get it's like, well, you're not an idiot. Yeah. You know, there's no, you're, he catches the, uh, the, the, the black driver is actually, you know, an inside man. Yeah, gives it up too easily. Well, and you also, you also never think for one, I mean, I never thought for a second that this idea of let's get a, a let's get to the airport and give me a jet. And they're like, yeah, we're, gonna, we're on it, we're on it. You just, I never think for a second that it's actually working. Yeah. Because it's you never know, happened before in movies, right? Never they, never like they, they never get that far. Yeah. Why would yeah. you get? Yeah. How would you? So that part, you, you give him a lot. You get. You a lot of credit. In the, I mean, of course, he doesn't get him on the jet. No, but just getting that far, just when they, they've got them circled around, like yeah. they're inside, they got a human yeah. barricade because he's That's screaming it. Attica, Attica earlier, yeah. and they set that up for those of you, for those that in the yeah. audience watching don't remember what that was. They had that casual conversation between him and the bank manager, so that you get the context. So later on, we. When he really endears the crowd for the first yeah. time, mm-hmm. right? And then he pays for the pizza. Yeah, I love that detail. Like, I gotta get money. I gotta pay for the. A lot, I bet a lot of that because it said but it gives him the mark bills. Yeah, he gives him the mark bills. I bet a lot of that is is real. Like some of some of the details were so fine that they had to have been real. Like the third the third man walking out at the beginning. I, I'm certain that that actually was part of the yeah. real story. Yeah. Well, it says it's a real story. Is it actually a real story? Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. It all happened. They I think the they Fargo changed approach. a couple of names, but it is all true. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. it happened. Fargo kind of ruined the, has now ruined the credibility <laughs> of, uh, well, this of, is, of based on a true This story. far precedes. I know, such but a now. Great choice, though. Isn't that, isn't that so wonderful? I mean, I saw it the first time I saw it at a press screening, and at the very end, it has the, this film is a work of fiction thing, and we were all just like, Hey, <laughs> you said. Well, and now they do it on every episode of the TV series. Oh, nice! In a, in a really interesting way. Yeah. To remind you, I haven't yeah. seen season three yet, so. Okay, I won't say that. There's something yeah. just. It's there's great. something truly beautiful about the Coen Brothers' willingness to do that, though, at the beginning oh, no. of that film, because then you believe all the ludicrous things. Because oh yeah, human yeah. nature. It's a. It's just this great thought experiment on the audience and what we will believe. Yeah, and you're honestly, yeah. it's like you're not allowed to do that, but of course you are. Yeah, you can do whatever you want. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that's what this movie has that same kind of credibility to it where 
It's like, why would they do that? And why would they say this? It's like, oh, because, yeah, that's human nature. Yeah. And they're not really bad guys. Yeah. You know, they're the nicest bank robbers ever. Yeah. They care. They have a, they, they, except for Sal, who's probably a sociopath. But he never does anything. No, either. He's no. He's fine. a kid. Yeah. He's he doesn't, he doesn't know that Wyoming is in the middle of the state. It's adorable. He wants that, to go there. I love that little moment where Leon on the other line of the, on yeah. the other end of the phone just goes, oh, Jesus. Like, just, cause he knows <laughs> oh, Sal, oh, because Sal. you can hear it in him. And such a great point, too. And, it kind of lets the air out of that conversation yeah. and brings it right back in. Yeah. It's just I, so, yeah, it's so human. Well, I love how little information you're given and how you just have to pick stuff up. Cause mm-hmm. you're like, how do these two know each other? Mm-hmm. You get the sense that probably Al Pacino's characters does not have a whole lot of other friends. And well, Sal was don't really know how they know I think each they other. were in prison together. I think there's a, there's well, they a, say we're not going back to prison. Yeah. Man. Sal doesn't want to go back to prison and Sonny talks about prison yeah. as though he's been there. It may not be true, but if, like, they probably didn't meet in the service unless it was basic training and Sal didn't get to go to war. Mm-hmm. That would make sense. Yeah, I also but it's all if, vague. But I, I also, when you, I mean, how would Sonny have, have convinced Sal to go through with this? I mean, if Sal knows why Sonny's doing it, I mean, there must be a relationship between Sal and Leon, right? They must all be chummy. Because yeah, they Sal, know each other. Sal's making this big, I mean, he's doing this huge thing. Sal, but Sal seems to be like, he'll just go along with whatever. I think he wants, I mean, I, I really think Sal's playing it as though he wants to die he doesn't want to come mm. out he doesn't want to get out he gets what he wants in a really awful way well they had a moment where they so early on he says we were going to kill everybody we were going to kill ourselves no we were going to get away clean or we were going to kill ourselves that's right that is such a weird promise to make to your compact to your right. compact when you make that deal you know nobody goes in with we're going to get away or die or die it's or either kill or ourselves. all the way this way and is that is yeah. that just a deal that those two made or that third kid on it who yeah was that's like, why Stevie no. bugs out yeah, is that his name? Yeah, Stevie. Stevie. But and where? But you just like he does not fit that grouping. So it's like, where did that guy come from? Well, I got, I got, I got a. Is it Leon's younger brother? That's the only thing no, I could think. That, I, I thought definitely part of the Leon circle. That's the vibe I got from him. Yeah, yeah. I think he's just like the. Yeah, I think he's just a kid. Yeah. I think he's a wheel man that doesn't go along any idea what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. He's not the guy from Baby Driver. No, no he's not. That guy's way more competent. Yeah, and he won't go in the bank. What? So what was different? From what you expected, like what? What were the biggest surprises for you? Um, uh, I I think stylistically, I was surprised. I don't know what I was expecting, but just the the, the like I said, the lack of the lack of music entirely in score, the, almost the the very gritty kind of almost documentary sort of approach to it. Mm. Uh, Pacino Pacino's performance definitely. I, mean, I, I knew I knew I was going to get something good, but I didn't know I was going to get something that good. Yeah. And was he nominated? Did he win? He was nominated. He didn't win. Yeah. Yeah. He was 75, so it would have been uh, Cuckoo's Nest. He lost to Nicholson. Right. Well. Which, it's yeah. a tough call, right? That's it's a tough those call. Are, those are two career best performances. It's a tough call, but when the Academy's deciding between the uh, the bisexual uh, bank robber or, you know, or, or the, or the, the guy who tries to murder his family. The murderous <laughs> family murdering. Psycho patient. But uh, he's still, the, yeah, he still gets the better out. Like, yeah. He's a huge martyr at the end of that film. Yeah. But That's the, true. Yeah, and it's like Cuckoo's Nest probably felt at the time it, it would have felt more legitimate. Oh, Cuckoo's first of all, I was thinking The Shining. Oh, oh. no, no. The family were too. Yeah, it was no, not, it's that not one killing his family. No, yeah. no, you said killing his family, and I thought I couldn't remember no, why. No, that's just my brain with The Shining. I couldn't remember why Nicholson was in the, oh, no, was no, in man, the Murphy, hospital. He, he's admitted because he, he refuses to uh, comply with military authority, I think. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I went, my brain went The Shining. Oh, I see. Yeah. That was 81. Yeah, I didn't win for that either. 
It wasn't even nominated. Wasn't um, nominated but but I think Dog Day at the afternoon at the time, there were so many New York movies. Like you know, think about yeah. what we're dealing with in that right. continuum. There's Serpico and there's um, oh, there's one Scorsese of films. Yeah, Taxi Driver Taxi was the following Driver. year, and Network was the '76 as year. well. What a, what a decade! It all just burped out, and I think it probably feels more distinguished now, mm-hmm. 40 years on, because it's held up so well. Mm-hmm. And the Cuckoo's Nest was based on a, a novel, and it was a bigger deal. It was a more prestigious thing. Yeah. Milos Forman's story, you know, getting out of Czechoslovakia, was mm-hmm. a whole thing. So it just got carried along. But and I kind of think this is the better movie. Mm-hmm. I love it. What's the title referencing? That's a good question. I think it's just the dog days of summer. Like it's an August afternoon at a bank, yeah. and it's hot and miserable, and it puts you in mind of of something like that. As far as I know, it was not. It might have been used as the title of the Book? newspaper article or the magazine article that inspired oh. the film. Oh, maybe. Okay. But it's just evocative more than anything. Oh, else. it's a great title. It's it, it gives you a sense of just like this is a shit day. Yeah. Yeah. And but. what did Sidney Lumet do next? Do you know? Network. Network was yeah. the next year. Yeah, yeah. And um, he was, God, he was coming off of incredible, like the 70s for him was just bang, bang, bang. Yeah. yeah. Um, Have you ever read his book? Making no. Movies. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. You uh, should read it. Yeah, All you right. dig it. I'll add that to my list. Yeah. No, it's great. It's just a great, one of those great, and I revisit it probably before I, I, every movie I make. Um, just because it's oh, just it's you that great. Told, so someone's been t- telling me they read it before they make it. Yeah, it's you. I think a couple people do. There's that, but it's just it's. There's a lot of good little tidbits and just those little stories. I mean, a lot of it's outdated, but there's a lot of great stuff in there. Because mm-hmm. uh, he's just such a an artisan of all the different parts of the craft. He's great. There's a great. Um, speaking of Pelham, uh, John Badham wrote a great book too called On Directing. Oh, I haven't read. Uh, and he talks about Pelham and he talks about um, a bunch of other stuff that he's done too. I didn't know Batman had written a book. I would like to read that. Yeah, it's good. He's one of those kind of unsung auteurs. All his films are solid B movies, even when they're really great A movie. Yeah, and he kind of says that in the book. (laughs) He brings that up. That's what he was going for? Yeah, he's like the poor man's lament in a weird way. You know, War Games, Blue Thunder. um, What's the other really big one he made in the 80s? They're all all really good. He made Burn on a Water. Deliverance? No, that was... No, that was Borman. Borman. Um, Adam John Borman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Borman Zardoz, that's the way to remember. All right, there you go. Um, Adam, like, oh, crap. There's one other really great, perfect 80s movie he made. Right around that same time. Yeah. Uh, I can't think of it. But, so he did, what did he do on Pelham? Was he the editor or the, I, he didn't direct it. That was, um, oh, maybe, did he do the TV movie? There was a TV movie. I can't remember. I might be getting confused. He might be, maybe he had, maybe you shouldn't be recording podcasts (laughs) after 10 PM. (laughs) (laughs) You're making a lot of mistakes. I feel like he mentions it in the book though. Well, you might have worked on it. It's certainly possible. I don't know that he was directing in the early seventies. Yeah. I'm probably wrong. But there is, um, there is a TV movie that was made in Canada. But you should still check out the book, Norman. I is the, will. Is the point. Yeah. Are you sure it was him that wrote the book? Yes, I have it downstairs. <laughs> all right, all right, okay. All right. Right. What are your other? Uh, like, I'm trying to think of other my favorite like hostage movies. The uh, Inside. Well, I love Inside Man. The Inside Man's is great. Uh, what's Quick the change. One with Quick change. Quick change That's is one. great. Yeah. Quick change was the first time I ever saw the uh, robber slipping out as as hostages oh, yeah. gag. Yeah, Quick Change is maybe Quick Change might be my favorite one. Yeah, yeah. Aaron, Aaron did that on uh, on my podcast. Mm. Was, oh, really? It was delightful. Aaron, Aaron, Aaron Abrams. Abrams. Yeah, yeah. This is like one of the very first shows we rec- I ever recorded, and he was just he uh, he he snatched it from another guest who had floated it as one of his titles. Oh, he's like, no. I want to do Quick Change. He's like, okay. 
That's and funny. it was it was great. It's yeah, it chance and any chance to revisit that movie is just so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's just been so many good ones that I go if I was ever to make one, I'm like, I don't know how I would I would add to the conversation. Mm. It's well, tough because yeah. there's so many great ones. And they've all been done in every, like every location is done now. You can do banks, you can do like uh, there's that Denzel Washington one, John Q in a hospital. Yeah. Die Hard, of course. Which is a hostage movie. Yeah, die everyone thinks of it. Die, die of course. Uh, it's a Christmas movie, Norm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a Christmas both. movie with hostages. It's both. Like yeah. The ref. It's yeah. both. Oh, the ref. The ref is a hostage movie at Christmas. Swimming with sharks. Swimming with sharks. Yeah. Is that yeah. a hostage movie? It is. Yep. One man, one hostage. There's one other one. It's just oh. There's hostage. Like, technically, Reservoir <laughs> with Dogs. Bruce right? Willis. Oh, not Reservoir Dogs. Sure. No, I mean, technically, it's a hostage movie. They're all trapped in one space with the police. But no one's taking them a hostage. The There's the cop. There's the one cop. Yeah, that's that's true. There is a cop. There's two cops. What do you think about it? Fair. Did I just blow your mind, listeners? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, no. But the the idea of the locked room hostage movie ticking clock thing. There are fewer and fewer of them, which is weird because you would think, right? Like they're not expensive. Yeah, single location room really. I mean, technically, yeah, rooms technically sure. Uh, Different kind outside the box a little, and only first out. But I mean, I would. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert. I would There's argue. There's more than one room. <laughs> yeah, the whole world is the room. Cube. That's uh, got a room. Sorry. Fair. But I, <laughs> in terms of, I would argue, this isn't really it doesn't look low budget by any means. Like when oh, you look no, at no, no. the extras and all this stuff that's going on in the outside There's world. There's helicopters in this thing in 1975. But I yeah. wonder what the budget was. Well, the number of extras they've got too. I mean, you can all block shoot that, so you're just doing it in a couple of days. But it's, you know, one, it's one location. though. No, sure, sure, sure. But it's, I wonder what the budget yeah, was. It was a studio picture. I mean, it wasn't cheap. Yeah, no. It was, and it had yeah. Pacino. And but you, but you are right, though. It's still, it's still can, a lot more contained than a lot of movies are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, could, you could do this sort of story. But yeah, I mean, these movies that we've just been talking about sort of make it pointless. Yeah, but in the, with the exception of when they go to the wife's apartment for five seconds. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, just a decoy, which and, is so great. And yeah. the end, exactly. And the very end, when they leave, you know, 90% of the movie takes place in front of the bank or in the bank. Or in the barbershop across the street. Or the barbershop across the street. Yeah, yeah on, that, mm-hmm. on that street. I don't think I've ever seen a hostage movie where the where the hostage taker freely comes out of the... It's usually so much more claustrophobic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it took me a while to get used to the idea that, oh, he's just going to come outside... And hang out with the cops and like. But he makes you know, a big deal every time. He's like, "Put your gun away." Of put course, your gun of course, away. Put your of course. Gun away. And and Sal's in there, and if anything happens to me, I'll just mm-hmm. kill all the hostages. So you know he's he's protected to some degree. But I hadn't seen. I don't think I'd seen that before. Yeah, it's and it's weird. I mean, it must have been weird then because that's why the story became yeah. so famous is that he was kind of playing to the crowd more yeah. than he was to the cops. Yeah, um, it is weird to see that, and now especially oh that god that moment where they where um, where they let the security guard go and they nearly shoot him. It's just like every cop in the in the on the yeah. block. Just well, there's a race issue there that yeah. that isn't even it, touched it on. It really. floats and then it goes yeah. away again. But I forgot. I mean, I know nothing happens. So I've seen this movie a dozen times, and yeah. every time I'm just like, oh Jesus! Yeah. But even Charles Dining makes that great point. He's like, you fucking told us all women in there. Yeah. So like, then you send a guy. What do you, what he's do you mad, expect? He's like actually mad at him. Yeah. Yeah. He's like he can't even pretend that he's not mad at him. He's yeah. angry at him. Yeah, but he makes a fair point. It's like you sent out oh, the. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is what I'm saying. Like, everybody's kind of right in this movie. All the characters, even, like, Sal is probably the least right because he really wants to kill people. And and we are reminded over and over again, mostly in dialogue, that Sonny is not a good person. Mm -hmm. Like, both his wife, both of his wives, both uh, both Mm -hmm. his his wife Arlene, Eileen, Mm -hmm. and Leon tell us 
that he has put guns to their heads Mm -hmm. and he's a psychotic and he's depressed and all these other things that are only in the dialogue. We never see it. And our sympathies at that point are so on side with him. Yeah. It's amazing. But kind of just that we kind of, we kind of brush that away. Yeah. And you, you're like your empathy on is on his side and you're just like, Oh, he was probably really sad. Like he has his reasons. By the time time you get there, you're on sunny side, which is why when it all comes down at the end, like what you see in Pacino's face is responsibility, yeah. and it's just but so even crushing. When he's on that phone call with his wife and he hangs up, you're like, you get it. Yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. You would yeah, hang yeah, up yeah. at that point. It yeah. doesn't feel like their own move. Yeah, yeah. and but just this like throughout, he's constantly just leaving the gun around. He's teaching that girl how to use it at one point. Yeah, just to yeah. Kick Although it around. he has his bullets. Remember, there's that one moment where Sal says, "You got your bullets," and he holds up the cartridge. Oh, missed that. So, yeah. yeah, which I was thinking that it's like. He was taking care of her. He was making sure she'd be safe. Yeah, yeah. probably no was. I mean, half the time he doesn't even have his finger on the trigger. And yeah. I was trying to figure out, this time I was just sort of paying attention to all the little stuff because mm-hmm. I know the movie well enough that I could just detach Zone in, yeah. and watch pieces. His, and I don't know if it's Pacino not wanting to shoot anybody by mistake in character. Like mm-hmm. Sonny doesn't really, really doesn't want to hurt anybody or he doesn't know how to handle the gun. Uh, he knows how to handle it. And then he, he fires was, it. So yeah, yeah, and he plus he was, in, he was in Vietnam. But... But you, you give up on the, the, the thought that maybe one of these hostages is going to try and do something. Because that's a big part of hostage. That's mm-hmm. a big part of the hostage genre, too. It's like, who's going to make the move? You yeah. know, who's going to try yeah. and take the move? We never, ever shift into any of their point of view. No. No. We're yeah. allowed to be scared with them. Like, we're, their yeah. fear is legitimate. Yeah. But we're still on Sonny's perspective. We never get the sense that he's threatening them, that he's going to hurt no, anyone. No. And, and if it does happen, it's by accident. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the people yeah. Who, who the people who collapse are dealing with some internal. Right, thing. they all have health issues. It's all it's only health issues that cause them problems. Right. Yeah, and one could argue it's just the men making excuses to get out of there. Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, it's you could. And the one woman who has the opportunity goes back in and yeah. refuses. Oh, she's great. She's like, my girls are in there. Fuck you. Yeah. yeah. When the guy, well, she he grabs her hand. And she's like, excuse me. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And I love the look on Durning's face when that happens. Before, like before, she refuses him. When he puts his hand on her wrist and just looks at her, and he's pleading with her to understand it mm-hmm. and not call attention to. It. Like, there's so much in his looks. He's great in this he movie. Is, he is amazing. Fantastic. Like, there's that great moment where uh, where they're all yelling at each other in the street, and he's like, "Get over there! Stop! Go point the gun!" Yeah. And they're just like, they're during the Attica scene, like. Oh, him yeah. and Sonny are yelling, both yelling over each other. Yeah, yeah, Pacino's great in that scene, but Charles Durning is like is owning that scene as well. That's He's holding his own. It belongs to both Pacino. of them. Yeah, yeah that's he belongs to both of them. Yeah. Yeah. And in the second big yelling, his big yelling sequence after the uh, after the gun after the gunshot and the scramble in the back, where he. I'm pretty sure he's telling the truth that he doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. There's no communication. And he's getting angrier and angrier and angrier because, right. again, no one will listen. No yeah. one listens to anybody. Exactly. And then like, a guy ran through the, the girl's boyfriend. Yeah. Like, yeah. I didn't know exactly. it, how that happened. You know? yeah. He's trying to deal with it too. But it's also that expression of like, it, that's like a, the lineup to the setup to Saturday Night Fever a couple years later where that sort of testosterone Brooklyn idiot is just mm. going to push himself into the situation. Mm. Yeah. And he's the only one who actually gets Sonny down. He actually com- he, he commits. He gets the thing done that he's yeah. trying to do. Yeah. Nobody else can talk the guy out of anything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, it's so goddamn good. Any final thoughts, Jonas? Uh, no, other than uh, thanks for having this weird podcast and uh, forcing it, kind of pushing me into watching a movie that uh, I should have seen a long <laughs> time ago. Will you revisit? I will, I, I will revisit, yeah. I still have a few more. You mean the podcast? No, no, no. Well, sure, you can come back at the time. Oh, but I mean the movie is the kind of yeah, thing that you want. Yeah, sure. But I, I mean, I'm not a big... I used to be uh, a big re-watcher. 
but now there's just so much I, I want to see that's mm. that I it's haven't seen. Now, it's yeah. hard to, to rewatch something. Yeah. I don't know when that changed, but yeah. So, but there are way more on my list that I that my, I have more black hole movies. Yeah. How many have you seen? How many times have you seen this, Nora? Oh, I don't know. Um, every probably on average every three or four years since the eighties when I first saw it. Wow. Uh, yeah. Never seen it in a theater. Always wanted to. Never been able to. Uh, yeah. This was close. This was nice. Watched it on our projector a couple of years ago when the when the disc came in. Nice. And yeah, I just I I love that it's so merciless. I mean, it's just such a it's pleasant. It's in, in a weird way. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's a it's a it's a feel good movie where everybody just gets angrier and weirder. You you just come out of it after that initial moment of sadness. Yeah. You're, you're exhilarated for it because it's just such an involving story and it pulls you along and it doesn't. People make mistakes. They don't die for them necessarily, but they're treated like adults. Everybody's an adult. Mm, yeah. And we don't get a lot of that anymore. Yeah. These movies don't give every character that kind of consideration the way this one does. No, it's true. Yeah. You're really not sure how you're feeling at the end of it. Because you're like, it's you're sad he went to jail, but you're glad he's not dead. Well, you said it the right way. It is a down ending that he lives. You actually do mm. want him to go. He doesn't have anything left to live for, really. I mean, you don't necessarily have a feeling like that he's gonna that he can pull himself out of this. He's a damaged, unhappy. Yeah, you feel like writing dictating that will was kind of his la- his saying goodbye and his making yeah, peace with it. The, the most heartbreaking for me, the most heartbreaking moment is at the end of the conversation with Leon, when he says, "Where do you want to go? Which is somewhere you want to go?" And Leon says, "I've been trying to get rid of you." Yeah. For months, like you're not listening. And you want to get her plane? Yeah. I don't want to be with you. Like, leave me alone. And you just see it in Pacino's eyes. He's he's done. Like that. There's nothing to live for. That's his. Love, that's his true love, and his true love is for has definitively pushed him away. So you want him to now die, and so he can go somewhere and, he and wants be peaceful to be, and yeah. give the gift of, of. He wants to be the hero. And he wants to hero, be the hero. Yeah. And so it is tragic ending that he lives. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Jerry. Bummer. Yeah. Yeah. Bummer. That's a great note to get in. Yeah, bummer. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us for Dog Day Afternoon. I was, in fact, wrong about the John Badham uh, taking a Pelham 123 reference, so apologies for that, film nerds who are screaming at me as you listen to this. If you like the show, please subscribe to the podcast and spread the word about it. Leave a review and a rating. That kind of stuff makes a difference. You can find me on Twitter, at Lalon Jeremy, and on Facebook, check out Black Hole Films. And uh, until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.